Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to recap everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week. Complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick. Michael Hamlet enjoying a well-earned week off to discuss the events of AEW Rampage. And Sidge, the dust is just about settling after a wild weekend where, obviously, CM Punk trended forever, it seems like. Uh, We'll obviously dive into exactly what happened in due course, but did this exceed your expectations, just like everyone else? Indeed, and my expectations were sky bloody high. The best thing about not being a bad faith grifter who has to <laughs> dig their heels into everything um, was that you can admit you are wrong. I was completely wrong, if you recall, or didn't listen to the um, various previews we recorded last week. I suggested some kind of angle um, at the end of the show after Moxley beat, uh, defeated Garcia, uh, where 2.0 would join for a beatdown, drawing out um, Sting and Eddie Kingston. Um, Darby Allen would be there, but realizing, oh, God, three versus three. I don't need to be involved in this. I've got something far more important. He turns around, stares down the entrance tunnel, cult of personality hits, match challenge issued for All Out. I was completely and utterly wrong. But on the subject, Willborn, of bad faith grifters, right, <laughs> you can measure how successful AEW has done something by the sheer pathetic extent to which people try and find flaw in it, the more ridiculous their reasoning, the more successful Mm. this thing that AEW has done is. It's a wonderfully cathartic bit of schadenfreude to read the copium in general. Mm -hmm. And we got some absolute high-grade copium, right? (laughs) So the crack was, this was so overwhelming that the um, production crew, seeking audience reactions, spotted a guy who was just in tears, overwhelmed by how intense and life-affirming and loud and moving all of this was. And uh, in a bid to downplay or to find any kind of flaw 
in how unbelievably wonderful this was. You had a few dyed-in-the-wool, brainwashed WWE stands find the following flaw. There was none. No. There was no flaw whatsoever in the actual presentation, so they had to really think about this. They had to think about this really hard. So in a massive self-own, they came up with the following. Uh, emotions are gay. <laughs> Oh God, emotions are well gay. Imagine feeling things. I mean, Wilborn, can you imagine, right, wanting to hate something, denying something to such an extent that you are willing to deny the very human experience mm -hmm. to own the AEW sexuals? Can you imagine that thought process? I legitimately feel sorry for people. They get dunked on. And, I, you know, I've just said earlier in this pod, like, it's schadenfreude, it's funny. I legitimately feel sorry for, the, for these people, mm. and I'm thinking I might address my use of Twitter as a result of um, the discourse, if you like, following that rampage. These people are surely significantly depressed. Mm. If they have this thing in their lives, WWE, or old-school wrestling, if they're not into whatever... It's either it's that cross section of cornet stands, and even cornet said this was cornet said it was perfect, yeah. It's a cross section of cornet stands and WWE brainwashed who just cannot deal with AEW. They just cannot. It just disturbs their life in such a profound way that they are willing to ruin it to deny this to themselves, and that is the biggest measure of how transcendent this morning was. Uh, that moment was rather people are willing to deny themselves emotion, feeling just to prove somehow that this was bad. And the thing is, as well, it's like, I'm convinced if you get the Venn diagram and you draw that Venn diagram, the people will say, oh, AEW, just a bunch of flippy rubbish, no psychology. And if they're the exact same people who are burying this poor guy for just crying, there's nothing wrong with crying. Toxic masculinity is awful. Then they obviously don't get wrestling psychology. Wrestling psychology, my interpretation, my definition of it is the emotional investment of the audience as measured by sound. That's what wrestling mm -hmm. psychology is. And if you are great at wrestling psychology, you elicit an emotion. All storytelling, all fiction exists to elicit some kind of emotion. And you cannot deny unless you are like depressed or operating in total bad faith mm. that this is one of the most emotionally affecting intense scenes in modern professional wrestling history. Before we break down the promo, which was great, let's talk about the pop. I've heard nothing like this. No. It was overwhelming. It was a guttural, raw, totally emotional, not performative, not surprised or shocked. It was just something delivered to the people that they wanted so desperately. It was possibly the loudest pop I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. It was possibly certain the most emotional. I'm wavering because you want to you want to think about recency bias. Mm, yeah. It has to be one of the most impressive pops, but at the same time like 7 years went into that. Like 7 years of thinking that this heroic, talismanic folk hero who spoke to everyone at a point of their wrestling fandom had returned seven full years in his hometown 
after people didn't think it was going to happen. It was the loudest. It was the most emotional. I'm not sure I'm impressive because of those seven years. I still possibly think that famous 1998 Steve Austin pop when fans had sat through four hours of Raw and then they popped louder than I've ever heard anyone pop apart from this night for a guy who was part of the active roster. He was mm. just that much of a star and they were just so pleased to see him. So it's between the two, but I think Punk himself would be happy with that comparison yeah. given the T-shirt he wore on the June 27th, 2011 Raw. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, to, to response to some of the stuff you said there. There's no crying in wrestling. Yeah, there is loads. And also, I mean, congratulations to that bloke because he had that horrible initial, like you say, response of people ripping it out of him for, like you say, showing genuine emotion. But I've heard, like, Tommy D- Dream has been offering him some stuff. He's been getting, like, kicks off. Tommy to Dream him. is going to relate, like, isn't he? Like, <laughs> he loves a bubble, does Dreamer. But you know what? It was nice. But also, this isn't just emotion. That was... Tears of happiness. And it's obviously all pent-up emotions uh, coupled with that as well. But, like, I've had that. I've literally cried at a wrestling show when Kofi Kingston won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 35. And then I saw him in the ring with his friends and his kids. I was just overwhelmed by all that. We've all got stuff that we can relate to. I've done that for football games as well. Some of my favorite memories of Chesterfield have me bursting into tears of happiness. To, to reject all that, like you say, you need to sort of reflect on yourself. And, you know, not that I'm trying to make this a divisive thing, but when Jim Cornette comes out and says, it's perfect, I would have loved to have seen, you know, them refreshing that feed. And then it, it comes out, Jim Cornette experience comes out and they play it and he goes, nah, perfect. <laughs> Better than I could have even booked it myself. No, you're meant to be like for them. Fair play to, to Jim, in my opinion, that he's able to take that step back. You know, he's obviously not a fan of AEW or the, the systems that run it, let's just say. But he can objectively sit there and say, like you say, it was just a sensational bit of booking. And, and again, as you alluded to, I think you, I, and, uh, and, uh, and Hamflot obviously sat here last week and said, here's the way they should do it. And then when that rampage opened and you had, you know, Jim Ross, Excalibur, Mark Henry, Tazno, Jericho, who is reflecting on his loss, of course, uh, like that touch, by the way, of course, starts and then obviously just cuts the arena and it's deafening Chicago CM Punk chants. And I went, oh, yeah, he has to come out because, like, as much as they would have been respectful, had they said, oh, the first match is Jurassic Express versus Private Party, I sincerely doubt, as we alluded to, that they would have gone, no, bollocks this, we want CM Punk and we're just going to ruin the rest yeah. of the show until we get him. But it opened with that and you thought, well, yeah, j- just give it to him. Yeah, why wouldn't you give the people what they wanted? There's ways around it. Like, Tony Khan could have came out before the show, after the um, elevation slash dark tapings, mm-hmm. which are going to be fire, by the oh, way. Oh, my days. I mean, it's going to be better than the in-ring content on Rampage because they were so high on what was going to happen. And let's face it, everything suffered as a result, yeah. but it had to, it was going to... Um, the only way around it was that Tony Khan could have come out before the actual Rampage live taping and said, look, a lot of you, all of you, in fact, are going to be really happy by the end of the show, but let's get behind the wrestlers first. Why? Like, people weren't going to get a punk match. It makes perfect sense, all the sense in the world, to save his debut match to get a number. Mm -hmm. It's a business at All Out. People wanted the promo. I thought people really wanted the pop and the pop alone. They got the pop. Why wouldn't you give the man a microphone? It's CM in punk, for Christ's sake. Yeah, he comes out and says, 
you eat your vegetables will give you yeah, a dessert yeah. at the end. But yeah, like you say, it just makes more sense. And with the way it happened, with them giving him what half the show effectively, which you know there wasn't a moment wasted. I like to say, you know, some people think, well, twenty twenty five minutes or whatever it was that they gave him. I mean, it flew by. First of all, and second of all, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to be there going right. Wrap him up, guys. Yeah. Wrap him up. You know, we've got to get to Jade Cargill and Kira Hogan, for example. Like, you can work the rest of the show around it. And, yeah, I feel a bit bad because when we well, when we get to that, especially the, the tag tournament semifinals, there was pits in that. And I was like, oh, because insane Canadian destroyer. And everyone's like, yeah, but how about those ice cream bars, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but let, let's, all right, let's dive into it then because we'll, we'll, we'll no doubt, you know, reflect on different sections of it and, uh, and, and get into it. So, yeah. Huge Chicago, uh, huge Chicago chance for CM Punk. And it just happened. They just said, well, we're not going to try and cram this into the last five minutes. Let's just open the show and see where it goes. Cult of personality, of course, hits. The roof comes off the place. And uh, akin to like Edge when he came out of the Royal Rumble, he comes out like, yeah, I'm back. And then it hits him. You can see it hit him. You can see that look in his eyes of like, oh, bloody hell. Even I, you know, he was expecting, no doubt, a great reaction. But it just, you can't envisage what that's going to be like. He referenced that in the, in the promo, of course. He comes down. Uh, again, the chants just just don't stop. I mean, I, I dread to think how many times they just rewound Court of Personality because it was just going on and on. And he's, he's greeting the crowd and that lovely bit where he dives into the crowd and those ep- go and look for the guy on Twitter who's got the photos where like CM Punk's face is smushed up against his phone camera because he's just underneath CM Punk as he dives into the crowd because he just wants to really feel it. We have the bloke crying, as we've alluded to. We've got Brock Lesnar guy getting mugged off because CM Punk goes and hugs Frank the Clown who stood next to him. Uh, and my, one of my favourite bits, I mentioned this on our on our stream for SummerSlam, was Excalibur going, 90 seconds, guys, I promise, he's going to talk, we, we've already got to go to our break. Uh, and they have a commercial break, and he comes back, and nothing's changed, obviously. And uh, great first line, Cornette said this as well, um, you guys really know how to make a kid feel like Britt Baker in Pittsburgh. Just perfect. Um, I'm going to be saying that word quite a lot in this review, I sense. Um he said he hadn't planned effectively what he was going to say tonight. He just knew he was going to come out in front of the crowd and he was going to have to feel it, and that's exactly clearly what he was doing. Um, he said he'd heard the crowd chant his name uh, for seven years. He doesn't have the time to get into everything tonight. He's kind of understandable, that, but he's got every Wednesday, every Friday, four Saturdays or Sundays a year in pay-per-view. He's not going anywhere. That made me let out a huge sigh of relief that this wasn't going to be a you know short deal or anything like that. Re- incredibly reassuring, I'm sure, for everyone there. Um, he explained that he had to leave for seven years because he was never going to get physically or emotionally or spiritually healthy uh, in the place that he was. Uh, he just, it, you can see, it's just an incredible moment for him. And he gets... A huge pop <laughs> from sitting. Yeah, <laughs> I've oh never seen God. that before in wrestling. That was bonkers. It was unbelievable. Like, and it never once resonated as, "Oh, well, I'm going to play the greatest hits." I mean, that's what he was doing. Yeah, but what he didn't have to uh, manipulate that audience or to do anything physically in terms of his posture to get them to pop all the more. But my God, they went absolutely banana for that. I popped for a man sitting down. Like, it was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen in my escapist hobby of choice. Uh, He talked about leaving Ring of Honor in tears in 2005. He knew he was leaving a place that he loved. Um, You know, he he 
people could learn how to wrestle. He loved how much he loved wrestling there. Um, and he knew he was going somewhere where it wasn't going to be easy for a, quote, guy like him. And he said, basically, he, he left professional wrestling on the 13th of August 2005. And now tonight, he's back in professional wrestling. I'll get your thoughts on that in a second. Um, nice moment where he said, you know, uh, I've made some decisions. He just sort of clarified, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be things that you're upset about or you're unhappy about. But, you know, he, he was going to work that through with them effectively. Um, just I thought that was a really nice touch to it all. And he said he was back, anyway, to work with young talent that he wanted to be surrounded by 10 years ago. And he's going to settle some scores into that locker room as well. And who's, who's the first name he mentions? What one, Darby Allen. And we see suddenly over his shoulder, up in the rafters, of course, Darby is stood up there with Sting. Uh, Punk praises him. He calls him as tough as the people of Chicago. Uh, and he says, there's only one thing tougher than fighting CM Punk, and that is fighting CM Punk in Chicago. He challenges Darby Allen to a match uh, all out in September. It looks like he's concluded. He says, I'm back. And he appears to be walking off, having dropped another pipe bam. Um, but <laughs> he, he goes, oh, just one more thing. Seven years is a long time to wait for someone, and there's a, a make good. Grab yourself a free ice cream bar as you walk out the building. Just the... Ironically, the cherry on top of all this, and, uh, well, I needed a shower to calm myself down after all this. I mean, that was the end of the show, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the end of the show. We'll go through it. There's very little point. There's one nice little detail, actually, that I'm going to point out if you haven't read my Twitter already that we'll get to, but let's first start with the CM Punk promo. Like, what an absolutely brilliant promo performance on virtually all fronts. Um, As you mentioned, the Britt Baker thing, that was the very first thing he said. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like he was a fan of Mark for Britt Baker, which is just perfect. He's in it for the right reasons. This was confirmation of what he said later. Of I want to work with and elevate young talent. That was wonderful, and you know, being a babyface in something that WWE excelled with when it was at its peak, was that you didn't have flaws in your baby faces. Hulk Hogan was the guy who always came back. He always made his comeback. Um, Steve Austin was the guy who always got one over on um, Vince McMahon. Things have changed. Like, things have changed. Um, It's no longer a big cartoon world. The primary pro wrestling audience is, what, in their mid-30s, if you look at the Dynamite demographics it's a millennial audience and i know that aew is doing things to reach the younger audience and good luck and good job because they're even more broken than the rest of us <laughs> with the events of the world as they've unfolded over the past what like 10 20 years it's fine and again it's consistent with the, the crying guy in the audience it's fine and it's more relatable to accept your flaws as a human being. This is, this is why people have connected with Hangman Page to such an extent that they have. People do not want their intelligence to be insulted. CM Punk, and the fact that he did this in Chicago when he could have just simply said, I'm the best in the world. I feel like I haven't proven that over the past seven years. I consider Derby to be the best. Blah, 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 blah. Let's have a fight. This is an emotionally intense, reflective pro wrestling promo, the likes of which I don't think we've seen much beyond AEW, and for him to say, look, I know I've been a dick, he was on Twitter in the months in the first few years after his retirement, using the fake word to describe pro wrestling. People did not like that mm. at all. I don't know if he's really going to 
say, I know I shouldn't have sued my best mate. I'm a bit of a knob. I think this was a bit of an allusion to that. But he admitted, like, look, I'm not a perfect guy. I know you're giving me a hero's welcome, but I need to work through some things and we'll get to that. I thought that was wonderful. Like, he just came across as such a redemptive, three-dimensional human being. Um, the Darby Allen challenge was great because if there was one minor flaw, and I don't think this is, will not be addressed, it will. If there's one tiny, tiny, infinitesimal flaw in this entire presentation, it's that I got the feeling like you're, very, you're being very giving in this promo. And it's hard to say, oh, he's not coming across as one of the biggest stars in pro wrestling history here. Near enough is prime, or you can spin it that he's lost a lot of prime years, but, you know, that just means he's going to be in it when he comes back. He was really rather nice, <laughs> and he didn't shy away from the fact that he's 42 years old. If anything, I think, and this will happen when he presumably beats Darby Allen and mounts this great main event run that eluded him in WWE because they just saw him as less than John Cena. If anything, I think he was a little bit too embracing of the fact that he's like an older guy. Mm. Um, we'll see evidence to the contrary when he hopefully is great in the ring and when he's a winner and he's a main eventer and he hopefully keeps these numbers that he's apparently drawn. We'll find out later today. Um, but, you know, I would much rather... CM Punk in Chicago, in AEW, the antithesis, and Christ Almighty, that became so crystal clear on that night, the antithesis to WWE, I would much rather a total injection of authenticity rather than him come out and say, I'm the best. Mm. Like, as a promotional tactic, like people want authenticity in professional wrestling. And it's a paradox because the whole thing's a work, but you have to suspend people's disbelief. You have to connect with them emotionally. He could not have done more throughout this promo of addressing, even through illusion, the not very good bits of his seven-year absence. He didn't shy away from that. He put over young talent. He, with that line about there's nothing tougher than fighting CM Punk other than fighting CM Punk in Chicago, with that one line he did pretty much um, mm. just make a mug of me for what I've just said. <laughs> I just thought this was so perfect, so emotional, so iconic. Literally everything you thought this was going to be in the magic is that you didn't think it was ever going to happen. Just to heap even more praise on this, you know what I really liked is the fact of, I don't want to throw TNA particularly under the bus here, but you remember when people would show up there, for some reason I'm thinking instantly of someone like Mr. Kennedy not to have a pop at him. And they do the whole, this is what it used to be like, over there. And I'd be like, boo, yeah, we all know what you're talking about. I did like the fact he sort of, you know, he dealt with that. And, you know, maybe he'll go back to that well on Dynamite or going forward or whatever. But the fact he just sort of went, look, I had my issues over there. That's why I left. But let's move on and I'm back. And here's what I want to focus on going forward. I really like that he didn't sort of wallow in, you know, what what has come before in terms of, they mistreated me, blah, blah, blah. He just sort of went, look, I had to get out of there. I've got better in myself now, and I've got this new set of goals sort of thing. Indeed. It was such a human approach to it. And at the same time, CM Punk doesn't have to say, I wasn't positioned like I should have been in that place, yeah. and I'm here to prove it. He showed you that without telling you that. It's so immediately obvious. Like, listen to the reaction again. I think I would wager that everyone who's watched this has watched it at least three times. Mm -hmm. I'm on two because i'm saving it for a night um because i've got kids but i think everyone with free time just went repeat 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 yeah. this is amazing um he didn't have to say i was my talents were squandered in mm. that old place he had a more real 
quite harrowing story to tell. And he didn't actually have to say that. It's become like a really risible, transparent marketing tactic now. And the glory of all of this is that he's far too intelligent to fall into that trap. He would have got one of the bigger pops in an absolute festival of pops had he went over in his burial but he decided he wanted to connect with his people. He decided to take the human approach. He alluded to like really bad mental health issues when he was there to just come across as this redemptive, heroic figure who was going to make up for his mistakes and all of those lost years. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Now, we'll come back to this at the end because I've got a, a sort of wider question to ask you about all that. But let's continue with what happened on Rampage or at least attempt to as they did. It was so strange because it was, like you say, it was this 20-minute long pop from the crowd. Like you say, I don't know if there's anything comparable in terms of noise in length as well of just everything he said. They were just eating out the palm of his hand and uh, and they almost rejected him saying... Well, I've made some mistakes in the past. Like, no, 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 you're perfect. Don't Screw cocker, <laughs> Um But they tried to continue. And, I mean, a hell of a follow-up in terms of, we alluded to this a little bit in, ter- in terms of, if you're a casual person tuning into CCM Punk, I mean, I doubt anyone went, well, that's that then, turn that off. But I thought it was a, a just genius move to immediately send out Jurassic Express and Private Party to have their tag team eliminated tournament semi-finals to just showcase, oh, if you if you've not been watching wrestling for the last however long, seven years, not here's what you've missed, but here's what you've almost got got to look forward to. Um, so they all come out for this, this semi-final, and then also out comes the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler with some snazzy chairs that Brandon Cutler sprays with cold spray before they sit down on there watching. And so the Lucha Bros and the Varsity Blondes, they're in the crowd. Um, initially, you know, the, the story of this match is uh, Private Party, uh, 
are isolating Jungle Boy. Yes, they get Luchasaurus into the ring, but that takes the ref out of it, so that allows Matt Hardy to get involved and, and triple-team Jungle Boy to get the advantage. We go into the break. When we come back, Jungle Boy finally fights out and gets a great hot tag to Luchasaurus, who comes in and just murks uh, both members of Private Party with, with huge manoeuvres. They go, a Jurassic Express that is, go for this stacker suplex thing on, on Isaiah Cassidy, and then this is the moment where we got the bonkers Canadian Destroyer, which got a reaction. Just everyone was a bit like, oh, yeah, but I've just had a cigarette first before we... Yeah, um, he, yeah they hit that on uh, on Jungle Boy off Luchasaurus' shoulders, get a two count from that, and uh, Mark Quinn hits a shooting star press onto Luchasaurus on the floor. Um, uh, we have Private Party then going for, for Silly String, but Jurassic Express counter that. They hit a cutter for a near fall. Matt Hardy tries to get involved to distract the ref, and, it, well, does so. Isaiah Cassidy rolls up Jungle Boy, but that doesn't finish the match, of course. He kicks out. Private Party go for Gin and Juice. Um, Jungle Boy counters into a spinning DDT, and then they hit that double-team powerbomb on Quen for the one, two, three. Jurassic Express qualify for the finals of the Tag Team Eliminator Tournament, which will go down on this week's Rampage, uh, the other semi-final, of course, on Dynamite this week. We've, you know, talked about this a lot, a hell of an act to follow, but I thought they did a stellar job. I mean, yeah, they were composed. They knew they weren't going to get that much of a reaction. They went about their business in a match that I've forgotten virtually everything other than that Canadian Destroyer spot. If I'm them, I'm thinking... Oh, save that for another dynamite. Like, save that for, like, another rampage. Do a gentleman's three. No one's really watching um, because everyone was either getting ice cream or there was, like, a bespoke I was there CM Punk mm-hmm. t-shirt that was only available on that night. Did you see the the photos of the queues and stuff? Yeah, I mean, they had no chance. They had absolutely no chance of getting a reaction in this building, even if they hadn't offered these items. What a wonderful thing. Um I already you get in the sense that CM Punk, it's not just his work. And you know, that he's one of the sloppier greatest wrestlers of all time, CM <laughs> Punk. He legitimately is. Like, but I'm so excited about the storytelling possibilities in a promotion that will depict him as a god, a wrestling living legend. This is the guy who came up with the ROH Summer of Punk. This is a guy who came up with the Straight Edge Society who just put reams of paper on Vince McMahon's desk and said, like, look, can I just do this? I've got your trust. I'm not going to interfere with the main event. Can I do this? Yes. He's the guy who came up with the pipe bomb promo. Like, I'm on a tangent here, but I think that just speaks to how little people cared about this match and how inessential it was because I just, like everybody else, wanted to think about Punk. I just want to talk about Punk. Mm. They should have saved that Destroyer, though. That would have got over massive on literally any other night, any other show, even if it was on, like, darker elevation. Like, that would have been clipped, MP4'd all over Twitter. They should have saved that, but at the same time, I like the fact that they think, oh, well, this is great. I'll have something better for you next week sort of thing. In theory, it was a good idea, as you've correctly pointed out. Jungle Boy, we've got Baltimore. Like, Christ, he's young. Mm. I'm sick of watching these ancients in WWE. He's young. He's handsome. He's exciting. He's a proper babyface. He's got this song that I used to love in a cheese ball sense all those years ago. The fact that it was the perfect guy to come out and it didn't go over at all just means that anything on the show just wasn't going to. And who cares? But the right decision, obviously, for Jurassic Express to go forward, but I thought Private Party really made a good account of themselves as well here. Absolutely. Um, they've been toiling, if you like, 
in like quasi obscurity because they're in the mid card. They're not on every single week. They're not on the. They're not. I don't think they're ranked. They have to be to be in this eliminator, but they don't really feel like a big concern. And yet, after some pretty ropey performances in the babyface role, like the errors that they were synonymous with after their big early run, gone, eradicated. So it was a. It was more of a reassuring and promising performance from Private Party rather than a blow-away one because that crowd was already blown the hell away. I just love the fact as well that I've woken up to the news today that it was CM Punk who footed the bill for those ice cream bars. Because it's easy to assume, you know, Tony Khan's got very deep pockets and it's a nice idea and he goes, should we buy everyone ice cream bars? But the fact that Punk personally did that and footed the bill for that is just, again, perfect. It's a perfect thing to do. It's a very nice thing to do that I'm more than convinced came from a nice place, but I'm a dyed-in-the-wool cynic. The very fact that he did something that WWE fans were like, all right, okay, yes, let's have that, within 20 minutes of him appearing for a different promotion was a nice little tacit promise of, yeah, you're going to get literally what you want from yeah. this guy that you didn't get from WWE. Even if it's something as trivial as an ice cream bar, all of these things mean something to people. Uh, quick promo backstage with Don Callis and the world champion Kenny Omega, who promised to retire Christian for another seven years at All Out. Brilliant. I just I thought that was, you know, in terms of, all right, we've got a lot to get through, so we've got two more matches to come, and we're running out of time, obviously, because of the opening segment. But in terms of just a snapshot of their world champion and the obnoxious nature of him and Don Callis, I thought this was pitched perfectly. The serendipity of the seven-year stuff as well, considering we know for a fact we're going to get Omega and Punk at one point. Look, I'm I reach apparently, and sometimes I do. Um, so I'm not going to say that they've woven all these events together. Hamlin Page is having a kid. That's what is yeah. it is. But still, nice serendipity there. He knows what he's doing as well. Uh, we got the Jade Cargill Kira Hogan match next. Uh, the video package promoting the two of them was was longer than the match, um, but it was exactly as we anticipated on the preview. Uh, on Friday, of course, Hogan gets a bit of offense in and then runs at Jay Cargill, just kicks her right in the chest, uh, hits her with that uh, double chicken wing slam thing, gets the victory. Yeah, just showcasing. I mean, Jay Cargill looked ridiculous coming out like that in terms of like, again, who is this person that yeah. I've never seen before? And, I, you know, I've been crying out for more Jade Cargill and yes, she's limited in the ring. But in terms of... You know, the airport test, yes. as they always talk about, she passes with flying colours. Yeah, absolutely. This is another astute move that couldn't possibly get over. Like, nothing was going to get over. Like, even John Moxley didn't get the reaction I expected in Chicago because everything about the CM Punk stuff was so goddamn overwhelming. Look, it was a savvy move, and I took it as kind of a much-needed hint that, yes, we're going to do something with Jay Cargill going forward. Mm -hmm. If we weren't, we would not have given her this spot, no matter how small or minor, on this particular show. And I was impressed more with their belief in Cargill than I was a match that was a perfunctory squash that, much like anything else other than Punk, could not possibly get over. Timings-wise as well, just briefly, you know, tag match, 10 minutes, that makes sense. You, you know, maybe they would have been given slightly more time on Dynamite, but I, think, I don't think you can argue with a 10-minute match between those two teams. It didn't feel, even though we only got like four minutes for the main event, it certainly didn't feel like they were like, oh, we need to cut the legs out of all these matches. Like, we always assumed Jay Cargill was going to, Kira Hogan was going to be a squash, and Hogan still did a good, good account of herself. And Moxley Garcia was just this sprint, wasn't it? I thought that was really well worked in terms of when they were booking this card of like 10 minutes here, 
a minute here, five minutes here, and the rest will give to Punk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was savvy. Again, Tony Khan, like, treated the intelligence of the audience respectfully. They knew they were getting Punk. He delivered Punk. And knowing that he was going to deliver Punk, if you looked at this Rampage card, week two, without any of the Punk stuff, you'd think, oh, it turns out they're not taking it very seriously. <laughs> this is just elevation on telly. Um, but if there's ever a time to just do... There was one match with stakes that would have theoretically banged in front of an audience that just wasn't shattered. But yeah, they pitched this perfectly because it would be senseless to have wasted like a proper dream match, the likes of which you get once a week on Dynamite on a show like this, given what the main attraction was. I realise I'm bouncing all over the place with this one, but I take it you've seen the the media scrum afterwards yes. where Tony Khan looks like a kid at Christmas. I mean, it's just salvaged genuine belief that the impossible is now possible in professional wrestling and he deserves to have his flowers. Mm. We get a lovely recap uh, of Punk's dynamite appearance. Uh, uh, no, sorry, Punk's rampage appearance and confirmed his dynamite appearance for this coming Wednesday. We'll, of course, be talking about on the dynamite preview. Uh, and they, yeah, confirmed that Next week's, or this week's Rampage, is the finals of that tag tournament to see who faces the Young Bucks at All Out. And I suddenly realised, oh, that's a lot closer than I realised. Uh, and then we got a, a dueling promo section with Daniel Garcia, 2.0 stealing the show yet again, and John Moxley. Um, Garcia basically said to be a star, he's got to beat Moxley tonight. And uh, Moxley was just furious and great line about there's more chance of him getting pregnant than than uh, Garcia submitting Moxley. And he just went, sorry about this, Mark. Yeah, I know they've said that I've got to talk to you now and put this thing in my ear, but I just want to go and murder him, so I'm off sort of thing. I thought that was a, a wonderful encapsulation, again, of, of the Moxley character right now. I love the side-by-side -side stuff as well. Yeah. Keep that as a feature on Rampage going forward. Like As I said, the joy of Rampage is that it's not just this dry, match-heavy hour of telly to get the matches get the juice on dynamite or on elevation in the case of Garcia beating Seidel put like a nice little 30 to one minute 30 second to one minute promo why the hell not mm. particularly when Moxley is better at one minute promos than everyone not named CM Punk is at 20 minute ones and again for a casual person you look in the middle and you go oh that's Mark Henry I remember him and even if you will know who Moxley is but even if you don't you go well, let's see what he's got to well, say. He's piss funny. Yeah. And he's a badass. And he's going to kill someone. And he looks like I wouldn't want to have a pint with him, but I also do. You got that. You got the Moxley vibe within 20 seconds. And a quick word on, on Daniel Garcia as well. I don't really watch Dark or Dark Elevation because it's so much bloody wrestling right now. But I did see the clip of that brilliant end to his match with Seidel. And that obviously fed in here. So credit again to AEW. You're not allowed to say that. I got told I was reaching. Sorry? I got told I was reaching because the finish of one match logically informed the finish of the next. The most basic yeah. A to B to C storytelling, sports-based in terms of the strategy that the emulated combat athletes employ, I'm reaching. You don't think you wrenched back on that sharpshooter with, with, with this finish in mind? And now you're reaching. So it, felt, it looked like something I was like, oh, you know, I've seen a sharpshooter a million times, but there's certain things people do like Miro's submission, for example, where you go, oh, bloody hell, yeah, I'd tap immediately to that. And that was the same with, with Seidel, which I didn't. People um, don't trust wrestling to be good or to have any thought put into it because they've watched WWE for too long. The people who criticised me, I don't think were depressed, so I'm going to bury them here. Um, someone said on Twitter, you know, EW Rampage wasn't that much different to SmackDown. <laughs> what? 
I enjoyed SmackDown. Yes. I will say this. No. I enjoyed SmackDown, it's but rubbish. it's it's night and day for for that one. Like Boogs should be a world champion in my opinion. But the, to give a quick word on Ramp uh, on SmackDown, but you can't sit there and go. Hmm, I mean, you're splitting hairs there. It's not just a quality thing because that's always subjective. It's a format thing. Yeah. It's a repeated match thing. It's a stylistic thing. Let's talk about the main event. Okay. Uh, Moxley <laughs> comes out and, as anticipated with that promo that he cut, just starts battering Daniel Garcia. Uh, suplexes, stiff kicks, uh, but Garcia counters all that. Andy said I would enjoy him, and I do. I love him nice already in, in four minutes uh, and what we've seen previously, of course. Uh, he's obviously targeting Moxley's legs in amongst all this. Uh, Moxley takes Garcia down, but Garcia fights back with uh, hammer fists, but he walks into a boot and some German suplexes. Uh, as Moxley goes for a third German suplex, Garcia counters brilliantly into an ankle lock. Uh, Moxley has to get to the ropes to force the break. Um, and Moxley comes back and just, yeah, violence again. Uh, clotheslines, forearms, headbutts. He goes to the paradigm shift. Garcia counters uh, into that sharpshooter. And uh, as he's leaning back, informed by what happened with Sardell, Moxley goes, oh, you're, your head's here. So just just batters him, grabs him, puts him in a bulldog choke, gets the submission victory inside four minutes. In come uh, the best thing about Rampage, 2.0. Uh, they attack Moxley and, of course, Kingston, who was there with Moxley. Sting and Darby Allen run down to uh, to make the save, and 2.0 is their role right now. They a Sting a splash uh, and a coffin drop, and Moxley, Kingston, Sting and Allen stand tall to close the show. What a wonderful sign-off. Absolutely. Um, really nice little match. It was four minutes. It yeah. couldn't be much. I'd like to see them run it back, actually, because I think they had glimpses of really nice chemistry and more Garcia on my telly. He comes across as one of the missing few missing ingredients for me on AEW. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Because right. um, if I don't say it now, I may forget, because I want to give credit as well to the, the, the commentators for just letting the punk stuff breathe. But also... I didn't know about the Daniel Garcia car crash stuff. I thought that was a wonderful little thing to drop in there. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's been mentioned before on Dynamite or whatever, but even for someone like me who watches regularly, I thought that was a great tidbit for someone who, you know, he's a heel. You're not meant to like him, but you go, bloody hell, that's incredible to see that he's come back from that. Just puts over his toughness. And as I said, like, the little detail of doing that particular version of that particular finish 24 hours removed from this match... And everyone was like saying in the comments of, oh, I would have just grabbed his head anyway. It makes sense. I don't think they've thought about it that much. Maybe certain wrestlers don't know the hold. It's like saying half hours, that centre half, I would have just um, dribbled all the way up the pitch and scored a goal. <laughs> and it's like, well, you wouldn't because you're a centre half. Like, you're not Sergio Ramos. Like, if I was um, Grant Holt and I was playing football, what I would do is I would dribble, I would skin every player on the opposition pitch. Uh, circle the keeper around the keeper and just smash it in the roof of the net. See what that Lionel Messi does. Just do that. It's like, he, he, Moxie knows the hold. It's one of his finishes. Dickheads. Um, anyway, they're not <laughs> dickheads. They're just, they've watched the wrong thing for 20 years and hopefully they'll, uh, they'll jump ship just like CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nice little match. Again, it's just everyone watched it just in a state of, oh, I can't possibly care about this. Mm. It's a bit of a shame, but like, CM Punk, man. And in terms of, like, a nice moment to end the show, that's the best you're going to get after what I yeah. as well. It was like a feel-good start. Like, no one was going to get heat, much less a pop after the Punk stuff. So it would be senseless to run an angle. You might as well just do a sub-house show, feel good, goodies on top. You couldn't drop a hook. Hmm. 
So there's no point in doing anything else other than good guy wins. This is the most scatterbrained review I think arguably we've ever done, but I think people will excuse that. But just circling back to that return for CM Punk, as we conclude here, I do it as a gimmick. I realise that. And I'm not going to do the voice because I want it to be genuine. The best return ever? Uh, without doubt. Without doubt for me. I'm trying to think of other ones as a comparative exercise. On a personal level, the return of Daniel Bryan meant the world to me. And it was informed by the fact that we didn't think it was going to happen at all, but Shane McMahon was involved. <laughs> uh, no, that storyline was actually quite well done um, as far as authority figure WWE things go. And I thought they played it masterfully until WrestleMania 34. I thought the match structure was all wrong and then it feed it with big casts. And there's always the sense when you watch WWE, no matter how life-affirming it feels in the moment, oh, they'll find some way to fuck this up. And in fact, they did. Mm. So the fact that CM Punk had been gone seven years. I, the only thing I can really compare it to, I think about like returns from injury and things like that. And you have like, you know, Triple H returning in Madison Square Garden. You obviously think of the Stone Cold one, for example, or The Rock coming back. And that in the moment, in terms of like, a, ironically for us, a top 10 list of like snapshot, you know, Triple H comes out and the you know, Madison Square Garden goes crazy and... And here's the host for WrestleMania, and it's The Rock, and then The Rock does the whole, I'm coming back to have a match, and does all that. And Edge, obviously, at the Royal Rumble, that was, you know, that's right up there. And Sting, even on on AEW, is another one you can put in there. I just think there's there's levels to this game, and the fact that it wasn't just him coming out, it was him coming out and what he said and the way he acted, and just, you know, that's not something that you, in a month or a year's time, will go back to and go, Right, I've heard the two-minute pop at the beginning. That's that's enough for me. I can close down the video now. You want to watch because you want to hear him say, can I tell you a story and sit down and get another huge pop or you know, deal with, with everything that he's been through and talk about his ambitions within this company? Uh, there's a guy on Twitter. Um, I don't know if you follow Boss Moz. The name rings about. He's like, he does the odd funny tweet. Um, so he's a good follow. But he described CM Punk as wrestling's ex-boyfriend the one that got away, the one you kind of resent for leaving your life, the one who kind of broke your heart, and he came back. He came back. Like, if you'll notice, I'm guilty of this. A lot of people are guilty with this. Uh, The feeling surrounding CM Punk was so intense when he left and when he was there and what he represented and how much he thought he was going to change everything and how much he was needed, how great he was at literally every single part of professional wrestling other than the elbow drop. When you are that closely connected to a performer, like, it's sort of when they spurn you and leave you and kind of bury you for what you still like, <laughs> even though they've moved on, you think, all right, you then. Didn't, like, mm. didn't fancy it anyway. Yeah, exactly. And you got loads of, no, nah, I never fancy Punk anyway. If CM Punk didn't fancy him anyway, if you were bloody watching Raw and this happened, you'd fancy him all right. Mm. You'd fancy CM Punk. He's hot as well. The fact that people were saying, uh, obviously the negativity, the, the reaches that people went to for that, first of all, but also the amount of people who were saying on Friday afternoon, when we're all you know, very excited, not because we're AW shows, just because we like good wrestling. You know, there are aspects of wrestling that I really enjoyed from WWE this weekend. Actually, Ele- South France was good. Uh, elements of SummerSlam, I thought TakeOver, we'll talk about TakeOver later on today, was, was great. 
But the fact that people were there like, yeah, but what, uh, what if he doesn't show up? So you're going to look like an idiot. Or uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be funny if uh, Vince threw $500 million at him and he didn't show up to, Dino, uh, to Rampage? The fact that you're saying that means you did kind of fancy him, you didn't did you? did kind of fancy him. You got him as your phone background on your phone or whatever. I fancied him. I'm telling you, like, throughout that week when I, and then this is, you know, toxic masculinity is a bad thing. You should be allowed to, uh, like, display your emotions and anxieties. Literally every single time I read a tweet saying, oh, CM Punk Day, CM Punk's coming back. Every time I said it, I have in secretly been crossing my fingers yeah. just in case he didn't pass a lateral flow. I knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. I knew he was signed on the dotted line through all the teasers. He just, Tony Khan wouldn't have done that had he not secured him. But I was cross- I secretly crossed my fingers. The physical act of crossing my fingers every single time his word his name was mentioned, um, and that speaks to how emotionally affected people by him were. It has to rank as the absolute all time wrestling return because it was something people didn't think was going to happen as much as they wanted it to happen. It finally did happen in terms of the emotion, the delivery, everything. It surpassed everyone's expectations. And again, just to circle back to the very start of the podcast with all the cell phones, when people go, <laughs> rubbish in MMA, that was quite funny. Oh, oh, Christ, changed the culture on backstage. That was a bit lame. Oh, you know what? It wasn't that good. His, um, his elbow drop was rubbish. And, you know, Kenny Omega and various others have done his style, if you like, better than he has. Everyone at the time just missed him desperately mm. when they said this. And, you know, it's not untrue. The, the elbow drop's rubbish. <laughs> He's not the tightest of great wrestlers, but, you know, it was all driven by a bit of, I didn't fancy you anyway. Mm. And it's come back to us. I think, they, I'm going to say it again, just a perfect return. And who on earth could have seen that coming? Well, me, I called it. Uh, uh, right, let us know your thoughts on uh, CM Punk's return, obviously, and well, AOW Rampage in general on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, you can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. And I'm going to put you over again here because you got me uh, last night on Twitter <laughs> with your... Uh, Review of Nick Khan's interview with Ariel Hawani. Go and check it out at Aim Sidgwick for um, not what you're expecting. I'll just say that. Uh, you can follow me and apologise uh, for saying I was ever going to be wrong. <laughs> Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Of course, loads more coming your way regarding this. Uh, what Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, I'm just very giddy today, and I have been very giddy since Friday night. And uh, yeah, it's a bloody good time to be a wrestling fan. But this has been the AEW Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.